everyone. Welcome to episode two of Sunday Sessions. I'm so excited. Um, episode one, if you missed it, was the struggle. Episode two is the road. I am Ronnie Nicole. Welcome to Sunday Sessions, where the conversations are controversial, insightful, and delightful. Here with me, I have the majestic Michael Sorg of Sorgatron Media. Please make sure that you guys can go over and like his page and make sure you're following IndieWrestling.us on all platforms. And my guest on the road with me tonight are Zeke Mercer, and that's No Mercy Zeke Mercer, correct? Correct. And the one-eyed... Thick thigh, weapon of ass destruction, the woad. Hi, baby. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for coming. Tonight, we're just going to discuss the role of the road as it plays in wrestling, especially as a Black wrestler, um, and the historical context of the road as well. I don't know if you guys were told road stories by your vets, but I certainly have a a laundry basket full. Um, (laughs) We'll briefly get into the world's first African-American women's champion, Sweet Georgia Brown. And then, you know, maybe a few life hacks of stuff you've learned on the way. I know I've had to make it work a few times, so you guys probably have your own experiences that can help others. And we will also at the very end of this session be revealing the winner of the giveaway uh who will by now have already received that valentine's prize pack that was advertised prior to session one dropping so congratulations we'll get to that at the very end um but tonight the road so pretty much from the armory to msg (laughs) we all hope to make it to madison square one day um but it's a physical, it's a mental, and it's an emotional thing. You know, I don't think people take into consideration all of the layers that go into wrestling. And then you add being a black wrestler on top of that, and it makes sh- shit wonky. So what were your experiences, starting with, like, the road as the physical, being on the road? Like, I'll start with you, ladies first. Wode, what was what has been your experience being on the road you're my vet you're 11 years right 10 years yeah okay yeah Yeah. so but you you know you have had so much and you've seen wrestling and through the indies change a lot as well so what what's your experience especially as a thick-thighed gorgeous black woman (laughs) in the south okay (laughs) i definitely uh has not been a picnic it has not been a easy ride you know it's been rough um but um, especially it's rough for me because, um, you know, one eye here and I, I'm still don't know how to drive yet, but I'm getting there. But, you know, taking it step by step. But it's just, um, you know, just going on the road um, and handling how to get into from your shows, your bookings and wondering what kind of town you're going to be on, especially the town, the town yeah. you're going to be in. I'm sorry, especially, uh, especially the town, because if it's somewhere in the South, you know, you kind of have a hint of the kind of people you're dealing with and you yeah, always want to make sure. Maybe a sundown town and you may yes. have to actually get your black ass out of there by sundown or. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, so like it's things like that, that you got to watch out, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, how you're going to get there is how you're going to get back. Um, how the people are treating you, uh, who you're riding down there with. It's, it's a, it's a whole adventure. And the best way I did it was to take it, you know, one day at a time, whether I was by myself, whether I was riding with people, um, 
I wanted to make sure to, you know, to always look out for whoever I was riding with, but I always made sure to put myself first because like throughout the years, the people that, you know, that I rode with, the people that, you know, I went to shows with, some of them may not have had the best in my interest. And, you know, I've gotten hurt by that. I've gotten scarred by that. And, you know, there's just things that I just have to take in consideration that, you know, when all this else fails, you have to really watch out for yourself. Right. So would you say that, especially as a Black woman, you feel that there's more of a perceived necessary independence that we have to have versus, like, other people? Without a doubt. I mean, especially, I mean, you take a Black woman and a non uh, and a non person of color, a white woman, you put them, you put, you bring them into wrestling. Um, I feel that black women are seen as enhancement talent instead of actual competition. I feel that they are seen as to make their girl look good. You know, even right. though the the bookers and the promoters know what we can do, because that's why you know they would bring us in. But, right. you know, they, they see us as making the, their girl look good, but never making us their champion. So, you know, this girl, she'll have all the help in the world. She'll have people pushing for her. She'll have people vouching for her, wanting to train her. But yet the black girl, she's literally all alone. And that's something that I've experienced myself. Yeah. I mean, we've had those talks. We've yeah. definitely had. <laughs> yes, we have. Conversations, you know, it is a lonely experience. But you know, Zeke, you are younger in the business. You are two years, is that correct? Yeah, like two point six, two point seven years in now. Two point yeah. seven I'm, years, Zeke. Okay. <laughs> what is your role? I do it. <laughs> hey, oh, turn up, twisted uh, T, twisted T, turn up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah T, turn up. I, I, I love twisted T's. Uh, on the road, it's been like, I guess I've been more privileged because I'm in the North, you know, it's not like, it's not as blunt as the racism in the South, as a someone who's from the South himself, I'm from Mississippi, but I wrestle in Pittsburgh, so going to towns is not really like, I guess a dangerous, but you know, it's still that perceived danger, we still have to worry about, there may be a sundown town, it's actually one of the close to my hometown, Clainsville, that's mm. a sundown town. And um, some towns in West Virginia may be sundown towns you may not even know about because not everyone po- talks about. So I do definitely try to like uh, be safe for myself. You know, pack extra charges in my bag. Um, I don't care what knives on me, but I definitely like rob people who I know who are going like, to actually protect me and not like just you know leave me out to the wolves or anything. And that's the, the really important thing as a person of color. You want to be with a group, especially in the carlo. You want to be with a group of people that you can trust. You know, right. if you get separated or something, you can, you know, we'll meet at this point or they have your number, but I know where you are. Like, I don't, I usually want the same five people, usually. Um, I really don't stray too far from that, really, uh, mostly because crazy world, different cops and, uh, you know, like racist cops and all that. Like, I did have a run in with a cop, kind of. Um, it was just a little bit after the, the George Floyd thing. I was in the sheets and, uh, <laughs> was after a show, was getting sheets, and I was in line to get my stuff, and a cop was up behind me. You know, I just gave him a nod, whatever. I'm used to doing that. As a criminal justice major, I see cops all the time. Like, I got cop teachers. 
I'm not really afraid of cops, but the cop was like six seven. He was eyeing me down. And the crazy thing is, he was just eyeing me down the whole time. I could see him out of the corner of my eye. And why I think I say it's important to have a good group of friends that have a friend named Ronnie Starks. He came up right behind the cop and he was just staring at the cop the whole time, making the cop feel uncomfortable. And that way, like he, the cop already knows that he's being watched. And he's watching me. He's being watched. And that's why I say to you, it's important as a person of color to have even non-people of color to be like in your friend group because they look out for you. Mm. Yes. Like put their privilege online just for you. Maybe it's not like they're not standing directly in front of you, but maybe they're just there with you. And sometimes that's all you really need, you know? Um, the ally, the allyship. You always need allies. Like sometimes you don't need to, you know, I'm not saying you need a friend that needs to like jump on the cop for you, but maybe you just need, uh, you know, a, a, like a person in the wrestling business, like, hey, don't wrestle this time because you know they don't, they don't like like people of color. They don't book right or something. They're gonna make you do something you're not gonna be okay with, or those look out for you. Say like, this promo would be good for you. This place should be good for you. You know, you need those people to help guide you because they they themselves do not want to see you get hurt or misused in the business. Um, you know, like I, I I can only say so much. I don't have much experience as maybe you and uh, Ms. D over here, but uh, I really feel blessed for like the group I have um, in the city I have because it's not like I'm the only black wrestler in 50 miles. It's, you know, I got Lee Moriarty. I got the main event. Christian Ward before he you know put, uh, hung his boots up. I had I had people to be like you could be like this and you know you could wrestle here and here and they will treat you like a person, not just a, like an attraction or right. um, like a, a novelty. Not the only person there. And that's good to see that you know. Um, but yeah, I, I will definitely say like I don't, I may not have as much of a bad time traveling. I think I have a great time traveling, especially the good people I have. But yeah, definitely as a person of color and a, a queer person uh, myself, you definitely have a good, you know, good friend group around you travel with all the time. Being supportive, making sure you're safe, making sure you're together and, you know, everyone's just aware of what's happening for for each other's sakes. So I always be, like be, to have, go ahead. I said like, be aware of the times, like know where you're at and, you know, what's going on, you know. Yes awareness for sure i do think that we as black wrestlers always have to have this extra you know this heightened awareness of what's going on because we were raised with the talk we were already conditioned at a very young age to make sure you have your head on a swivel at all times and then you come into a business that's cutthroat just laying it out there wrestling's cutthroat as shit uh as wrestling and it's like oh well glad i already knew to be on the lookout for you like <laughs> it really makes a difference and i do think that is a, a benefit even though it's not great i do think it prepares you in a lot of ways so d what do you think um from your experiences on the road because you've been everywhere all over um what do you think are some of the things that have changed since you started versus now in terms of not travel, but just the atmosphere of being on the road and car loads and making towns as a black woman? Um, hmm. As far as the South or just in general? Well, your experience is more than the South. Like, you've been yeah. everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, 
I feel that, you know, this industry is definitely progressing. Um, I still feel like it has a long, long, long way to go. Um, but I feel that now, now bookers and promoters, they are more willing to step outside their comfort zone and, you know, maybe, maybe book this, this young talent that, you know, that they, they thought, you know, a couple years ago, hey, they wouldn't work well with this crowd, but now, you know, let's, I think they're definitely opening their minds more. They're being more open-minded and that's great to see because um, from my experience, honestly, five years ago, you would not see as many black talent in the South as much as you see them today. And that's only five years ago. And I've been in, the, in this business for, for 10 years. So I love the fact that progression is definitely there. Um, I still feel that for a black woman, um, I still feel like we don't have a secure spot in this business. I feel that we have a cameo. I feel that we, you know, have a little, hey, this is this girl right here. You know, this is this breakout star. You know, let, let's let's talk about her for a second. But I definitely feel we do not have our spot secured yet. I feel that um, a lot of a lot of promotions, you know, they want they I feel that they want to be open minded. But I, I honestly feel that, you know, to better better to play it safe than sorry, they would still use that, you know, their female talent instead of, you know, working with more African-American female talent. Um, but as far as far as my experience, um, especially with, you know, with everything that I've gone through with my vision and, you know, coming out as, you know, first ever half blind female wrestler, um, it made me just not care anymore. You know, it's it's not the fact that I'm worried about, oh, this promoter doesn't want to use me or this promoter feels that I'm not right for his promotion and so forth. It's the fact that, I don't know, I guess I, I, I know I'm the best at what I do. And now, now that I know that, you know, worrying about getting on this show or worried about traveling to this show, it's not it's not that much of a thought anymore because I always tell myself if, you know, if they want me, they know where to find me. Right. And whether I work on their promotion or not, I'm still going to be the weapon of ass destruction. Right. See what, um, what, and even though you said you have limited experience, experience is still experience and it still counts towards what we're talking about. So shifting into the mental aspect, and I'm asking you as a younger wrestler, because I've noticed that some of the younger generation of wrestlers were definitely trained differently and their training was maybe, uh, less focused on the, the, uh, get tough son aspect you know what i mean and more yeah. on like the actual in ring like here's how you can survive longer matches here you know or a broader range of actual wrestling things versus taking 17 chops in a corner and expecting to not flinch so uh <laughs> what would you say in terms of the mentality on this road that we are all on as professional athletes as professional wrestlers 
what would you say in your experience is the the biggest challenges you know a black queer talent and the mental aspect coming up into it uh i would say the biggest oh i'm sorry you go ahead i'm sorry yeah i'm gonna start with zeke and then i'll go to you because girl i know you know okay because we talked about it okay (laughs) okay some of us (laughs) cried about it okay so you know (laughs) but zeke yes tell us tell us uh babe uh, well, mentally, it's like, I've been, especially in my class, I wasn't the tallest or the biggest, not even the strongest. I'm, I mean, Ron, you met me. I'm a pretty small guy. But uh, it's uh, more trying to, I'm I'm pretty small in height. Let's say that. I'm small in height. Are, I'm, not you are, the, I'm not You are vertically small, but you are large in stature, my friend. Okay? <laughs> I, Oh, it's vertically challenged, whatever. But I'm not like the biggest dude in the room. Let's just say that. I'm not, I'm not the tallest dude. I'm not going to be the strongest dude. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to stand out if there's a room for other wrestlers. Um, so my training was more like I have to keep up with the best perceived student in the class. Um, even if I can maybe run the ropes more efficiently or I could probably just move better than this person. But if I'm not perceived as the better person, I have to work two twice as harder, maybe three times as harder. And, you know, as a short person in wrestling, a shorter person in wrestling, we are kind of not see as mad event material. So I have two obstacles. I'm a black wrestler. I'm also a smaller wrestler, you know. Um, so learning to just, you know, even take more damage to people, take more chops, take these crazy-ass moves, do these crazy, stupid spots. You probably learn how to do all these sequences. You gotta be able to kind of like to do it all. You gotta be able to be able to work with anyone because you're not really gonna be like, oh, I, I'm not gonna do this or I'm not gonna sell for this person. Like, no, you're gonna sell for everybody. You know, <laughs> it don't matter if that person's six seven or you know five six. You gonna sell from everybody who hits you. So um, I just feel like you are constantly grinding. You know, especially when I started, I didn't really have a gimmick. Uh, and some some aspects I still don't, I guess you could say. But, you know, like, I, I don't have a perceived, like, well, I'm a African-American, so I'm going to be another JTG. Or I'm going to be, I don't know who else, another Brooker T-like character or something like that. I can't really do that because it's already been done. You know, people want to put you in this box and not let you explore yourself, not want to be yourself. So, like, oh, yeah, you're a black guy, so you do, like, a JTG gimmick, right? I'm like, no. Well, why not? I mean, you fit it. I'm like, what's that supposed to mean? So it's kind of like same to do with women that kind of put people in this box. And they don't, they, we don't want, to want you to expand yourself. So just to like be considered just as good as the best person in your class or on the roster, now you got to be like aggressive to be like, I want to be this person. I want, this is my gimmick. This is what I want to do. This is what I do. I'm not going to do what this promotion thinks a black wrestler should do. You know what I mean? And it's kind of hard to break that stigma because some things you do want to have fun. You do want to be loud, especially when you're playing heel. And sometimes you kind of fall into that, oh, angry black wrestler. Like, oh, damn. So, I mean, mentally, it's just but always a grind to... And, like, are you angry or are you frustrated with the status quo right. constantly being upheld? Right. And that's... And like everyone's like, well, you know, 
they they be like they be in real life they be like, well, if a black if a woman a black woman is like you know, voiceless and independent and strong, they're like, oh, just angry black woman. None else. They're just they're chopped off as angry black woman. And like, no, that's not what she is at all. You know, I mean, maybe yeah, maybe she's angry, but she has a reason. Same reason why a, a black heel may have his or her, you know, background or why that person's a heel. But they don't want to rethink about it. They'll give a lot of non-people of color with their character's background and nuances, but as soon as a black heel's in the business, like, oh, angry black person. Nation Domination-esque or whatever. Like, you just, they don't want to let you out of that binary box. You have to be this or that. Either go lucky kid or just angry black man. That's the only thing you got. And God forbid if you're a queer character or queer coded in any way, then you're definitely going to be either super feminine man or actually it's not else but super feminine man if you're before I would say 2020, 2021 and all that. But you know, it's uh, trying to break out those boxes is harder and harder back then, especially I would say 10 years ago. But now I would say it's easier. But even as a black queer man, it's still hard to do because you're still limited because it's not representation. As much as I would love to be the badass bisexual man, we kind of have that with MV. You know, MV Young. But he's not, not you know. talking about MV right now. We're talking about black folks. Okay. <laughs> that political <laughs> is not here. They are not invited to the cookout. Said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's just hard to, like, it's hard to, like, try to be yourself. But, you know, you're trying to get a conversation of what all you are. Because you already feel like, well, we're going to have this. But, like, it's not like black characters are, like, queer-coded, you know, super strong or super heavyweight, you know, or super indie. It's kind of hard to be your, like, self because people don't want to think outside the binary, I would say. And that's what I think is kind of the mental strain will definitely bog you down just trying to be different from everybody else because everyone's like, well, we, ha- we already have a version of you. Well... No, you okay, don't, I, though. Like, you don't have a right. version of me, because I'm me, and I'm here talking to you, that and I'm not right. cloned or have a twin, and even if I did have a twin, they would be them, and I would exactly. be science. Right. And, and that's, <laughs> that's the hard part. But, like, it feels like you're just trying to constantly punch through a brick wall, trying to make people think, like, no, I'm different. It's like, no, you're not different. You're the same as this guy. That's yeah. then referred to a character that's, like, 400 miles away from that exact promotion. Like, I don't know that person. And so it's like the constant battle to be different, to stand out is, I will say, sometimes it's getting easier as the generations get, you know, more access to technology and editing and promoting themselves. But it's still hard for the people who may not have access to all that stuff. So, yeah, just I would definitely say it's just hard mentally to just be different for everybody and just constantly keep up that, you know, be yourself all the time. Because sometimes you just want to stop being yourself. You just want to. Let me just be generic black wrestling before again and just let me get my booking and get my pay and get the hell out of here. And, you know, that's what, I mean, like I said, it's limited, but I feel that like every day. I feel like you see all that every day. It's I mean, just... it is, yeah, it's a struggle to walk the line of being who you are and being faithful to your own uniqueness and owning the fact that we are not a monolith as black people and that we come in different shapes and colors and sizes and facets and characters and gimmicks off the top of my head, my favorite goth God demon, uh, Trevor Aon, but people act like black people can't be goth. Like 
that's not right. a thing people like my white dad is garth brooks i love country music like i'm country i'm from the south like we all have our thing which would not be considered black right, right. uh if 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 people had their way and i feel like that's a really unfair characterization of me as a person because it limits who i can be before you even know me and translating that into wrestling is also unfair because the world does not reflect that period we it, it, it doesn't d you know d go off oh, yeah. go off the, mental, the struggle talk about it because you know <laughs> especially with being you have being handy able okay yes. you were handy yes. able but you have been stymied left and right and yes. for for what like they, they see a, a thick black girl like somebody like me you know my gimmick is you know my butt they judge me and say oh she's she, she she's a slut she's a she's a hoe a hoe is you know it's not a gimmick and i'm like just a hoe is not a gimmick. You're right. A hoe is not a gimmick, and that's not what I am. So let's yeah, get back like, to it. Like, yeah. And, you know, before then, you know, when I got into this business, you know, being the big black woman, they categorized me and the, you know, as awesome Kong. And don't get me wrong, that's awesome. And I'm, I'm grateful, you know, I'm honored to be compared to her. But that's like, why would I want to be her? She's already her. I'm trying to be me. And, you know, it's just that. Wrestling, they put black women, or me, in my experience, black women, they put us in a category to where we can't be beautiful. We're not beautiful. We're not seen as beautiful. We're not sexual. We have to be either angry and monstrous, or we have to be athletic and, you know, run track or something. And, or we just have to be the ang angry black woman or the hood ghetto black woman saying, don't touch my hair. And, that's it. And they expect us to be okay with that when there is so much more to us than that. And throughout my whole, my entire career, I have tried so hard to break all those stereotypes and showcase to this wrestling industry. Let's break that stereotype of having the token black girl. Like I've had promoters tell me, oh, you know, we already have a black girl. Like, Ronnie, I, I know you, you've heard that before, you know? I've heard promoters tell me. All the times. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> you I, do. I heard, they say, oh, you know, well, I could tag you up with this black girl. Y'all both black. We could tag y'all together. Or, you know, they'll say, hey, we want you to come put our girl over. She She's only been wrestling for six months, so she ain't good, but make her look good. Trained she, she's on a trampoline. Trained yeah. on a trampoline in the promoter's backyard in Mississippi, but you got to put her over strong, clean in the center. And then they tell you, well, our fans just won't like you without even, you know, giving us a chance. I'm sorry. And like now, like seeing so many black female wrestlers, like the freaking, the blue dragon Tootie Lynn, like she like Mama Tootie and Mama Lynn. I love her mama. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. The whole family. And love them. Oh my God. Tremendous. And she is doing it the way she does it. Like, Her and it's something. Way. Yes. Like, five years ago, you would have not, never expected this. I mean, the wrestling world would have never expected something like this. Oh, no. You have Ravana, you know, she's a freaking demon. It's like, like black women. You have the Faye Jacksons who are sexual and beautiful and dangerous. Like, you have 
we come in all different shapes and sizes and characters and like the fact that they tried to put us so hard in this one category, it it messes up. Well, it does damage to our mental state because we feel that we have to break down, do so much just to get them to see that we're different when they should already see we're different. And I even told myself, I was like, I'm grateful that it's a possibility that Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks could be the first black women main event in WrestleMania. But I'm also kind of pissed about it. I'm sick of it, the fact that it's 2021 and we still it. have to make the first for us. Why can't we not be included? Right. Why are we not included? You're just going to sit right. there and tell me the first women's main in a WrestleMania uh, main event, they couldn't have a woman of color in there? Why? Because I feel that wrestling still doesn't include black women. They don't see us. They, we're not set in stone. Not yet. We're getting there. We're getting there. Like we are, you know, we're knocking down barriers and breaking stereotypes left and right. Like look at Big Swole, you know, and the fact that we have to go through all of this just to get them to see something that we've been saying from the beginning. It's like, this is a business that was never designed for us. Hell, they even tried to erase our history as black as black uh, uh, female wrestlers. Like there are black female wrestlers I didn't even know about. And like, and, and, and that hurts because wrestling is a business that's for everybody, but how can it be for everybody if everybody's not included? If you have just this certain type that you wanna be, that you wanna be seen as, as the top, that you wanna see as as beautiful, that you wanna see as, as sexy, that you wanna see as the, like the epitome of beauty. How can that be for everybody how can wrestling be for everybody when you don't even include everybody? Like, it's 2021. Why are we still having first of anything in wrestling? It shouldn't be like that. It's 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 big enough for everybody. And, you know, I feel that we as Black people, we are tired of that. And, you know, we are going to do it our way because if we don't, they sure as hell won't. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean it first. Right. No, girl, it's a real conversation. The point is to be real. I told you, it's fine. No. So what would you say you in the mental aspect? Oh. How is that? Oh, right. Girl. <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah. There are so many We're going to get you in too, Zeke. We're going to get you in too, but I'm going to let D go off a little more. <laughs> mental? Oh, man. From, you know, from people telling me what I need to be or that I need to lose weight or how I should, you know, how I should be in the ring. It's like, it, it's it's almost like a, a mind control. It's like they try their best to you know, get into your head and warp you into what they want you to be instead of you being creative and you know being yourself uh i have struggled so hard with just accepting how i look and who i was like i tried to lose weight i kept telling myself well maybe if i was smaller you know if, if i if i you know didn't look the way i look maybe they would show interest in me and then i had to just tell myself no it, just, it didn't matter what I do. The only way I, they will look at me is if I make them look at me. And I had to I had to tell myself that. I had to convince and I had to, you know, continually tell myself, 
I am the best at what I do. I, I'm different. I stand out. Can't nobody tell me what I can't do because I've already proven it. I've already proven it without even telling anyone. Like with, with my vision, I've already, like I've proven the fact that, you know, what do I have to do to show this wrestling world that I belong here? What else do I have to do? Like I'm, I'm freaking half blind. What else do I have to do to show this wrestling world that I deserve everything that I'm getting in this business and more? And it's like the fact that people of color have to go through so much just to get so little. You know, okay, fine. You, they won't give it to us. We'll take it. So yeah, that mental is um honestly. It could be the hardest thing. Like people think, oh, you wrestling in the ring, taking bumps. No, nah, no, nah, that, that's the easy part. The mental thing that will make or break you because you have to believe in yourself. You have to keep telling yourself, it doesn't matter what this promoter tells me. It doesn't matter what this booker tells me. I know, I know I belong here. Because if you feel that you don't belong here, they will push your at. They will push you out. Absolutely right. You are a hundred percent right. Um, because the culture of wrestling still hasn't changed completely. That's why we're having these conversations because things haven't changed the way that they should have. So before I go into our history segment, Zeke, hearing all that as a new wrestler, what is your reaction to that? Like, and I haven't, I haven't gone into the mental cause you know, this is about everybody sharing their platform and I'm always very vocal, but hearing that, what is your reaction to what you have experienced, but the mental aspect of knowing that information now? I mean, I, I, I feel exactly what she feels, especially with the weight stuff. Um, when I started training, I just got done with amateur wrestling. And if you know anything about amateur wrestling, it's all about weight, weight classes, being a certain weight. So when I came to this business, I was like 147. Everyone kept calling me Starving Marvin. You look like you're from Africa. You look like you started like you're from a village. You know, so, you know, it's just always those jokes. I'm like, wow. So, you know, over time, I got a little bit heavier because I'm not amateur wrestling no more. I don't have to make weight anymore. You know, I gained a little bit, you know, fat. You know, I got a little stomach now, and I like it. It makes me feel comfortable. It feels like well, an actual grown man to be above 150, you know? <laughs> you better so rock just, your weight, boo-boo. You better rock it well. Like, it's, <laughs> like, you know, especially when the pandemic's happening, everyone's getting back in training, somewhat training. Everyone's like, oh, you, you gained a guy, dad bod now. I'm like, everyone's a dad boss. The pandemic, who, who went to a gym? Who has time pandemic to go to the gym? Pump, is what I call it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like got the pandemic and, <laughs> right. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't go to the gym while the, the state was, you know, shut down. It's not my fault. I have to follow regulations, just like everyone else. Right. Coronavirus. <laughs> you know, safety. <laughs> right. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, stay in the house. You know. Right. Um, you know, and and I think about to myself like, what if I did get back to being like all having you know abs and all thing? Cool, cool, cool. It won't matter because you know what. I'm still like below six one, so I can look like a specimen all I want, which is a weird way to say things, and especially referred to a person, uh, a black wrestler. It still won't matter. I can have the look, but you know what? You're not six one. You know what? You just don't have those eyes. You don't have the the, the face that we like, or you know that we mean the skin tone we like. You know, I can I can you can try our best to look like what they want, and we still won't be what they want. You know what I mean? So it's just that chasing that dragon is like stupid to me at this point. It's yeah. ridiculous. 
I'm tired. Like I am tired of it. Like you know what? I said like a couple months ago. Not a couple months ago. Like a year ago, I was like, you know what? I'm not trying to do that. I was gonna kick people in the face and keep it rocking because you know, <laughs> that's all I do now. I'm kicking people in the face. I have the confidence. I want to have confidence. I'm angry. I'm aggressive. You know, I'm still humble outside the ring. I'm not saying I have an attitude or an ego. But when I'm in that ring, I wild out, go on my energy out, and I go back. And some people just like, well, I, don't, I think you have an attitude now. I think you have an ego now. I was like, I, Oh, you I, value yourself now, so it's a problem. Right. Is that what you're I, saying? When I, okay. Yeah, well, I value myself. Now I have an ego. Now you have an attitude. Now I think you're a superstar. It's like, no, I'm, I'm doing what you guys want me to do because I was always shy, right? So I started doing what they want me to do. Oh, you have an ego now. Oh, you think you're too good for your bitches? Are oh, you getting matches here? You're facing this person, working this person, working this place. You have an ego now. I was like, no, I'm doing exactly the what, what you want me to do. You mean I'm traveling I'm, the road like you told me to I'm do traveling. to get better at my craft like my peers are doing? Right. Okay. Right. I'm traveling the, the road that veterans <laughs> that they pay for us. You know what I mean? They're like, I paid this road for you so you wouldn't have to break your neck every night. I was like, all right, I'm about to take that road then. So, right. like, you know, but what you did. It's like, no, nah, I don't want you doing that. You guys have it too easy. You guys know real hard work is. I'm like, so what was the point? You're going you're gonna to pave the road for us and we can't use it? Right. So you paved the road, so but you want me to stay in the grass with like yeah, a horse and buggy situation? No, bitch. I'm driving a Bugatti down that road. Like, don't fuck with me. <laughs> like, this, is, this is what it was for. What? <laughs> right. You know, it's just like, it's like the double standard. You know, other people can look at that role, but as soon as a person of color, a queer man, a queer woman, a black woman, oh my God, bro, it's, like, it's up in arms. We can't have, we can't have people, we can't have Negroes being stars of the show. Like, they just lose their mind. <laughs> like, I, don't, I just don't get it. Like, it's such a double standard. Like, I like to say that wrestling's a microcosm of especially America, especially Northern America. Definitely a microcosm. And we're like 30 years behind. You know, wait, <laughs> right, way behind. <laughs> way we're, behind. We're way behind. Right. And it's just like, wow, like I, I just don't get it. Like, I don't know. I don't know what that hate comes from. I guess somewhat it's jealousy because we don't have to we don't have to struggle as hard. But then again, they're the same people who paved the way for us. So right. we can do the same thing they do. So we wouldn't have to go through the bullshit they went through. I know that's the whole point. But I know it's quickly, as soon as I do the same thing, we get fucking told that we shut have an down. ego. Mm-hmm. We get shut, we get shut the fuck down completely. Up and oh And where did that term Up. come from? Real historical context there. Mm. Right, right, right. So yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, or a black woman. You can't, you just can't do it. Oh, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's frustrating, especially mentally. You just get bogged down. There's, there's a time. Where I didn't want to go to shows. I didn't want to go to practice. And it was like, we just being lazy. It's like, no, nah, I, I, I look these crazy ass standards that you keep putting up every day. I can jump one holder, holder and you have me jump four more after that. Right. Of course, I'm going to get tired. Right. And I'm just like, and I, sometimes I was like, well, you, you don't, like, you ain't trying no more. It's like, why would you try if you was in my position? You keep moving the goalposts. So, what is the point? Right. Yeah. Especially with. Like train all that stuff. Like I didn't have a like I didn't have a car. I lived like an hour away from where I was training. And one <laughs> one veteran literally told me that always stuck to me. It was like because I was I was going to college in Waynesburg. 
I said, I'm 30 minutes away from the, the, my training school. And he said to me, you know what? He, he Stop being lazy, man. If you want to go to practice on this day or go show this, catch a bus. Catch a bus to the middle of, of buttfuck nowhere, basically, because it's a college town, to the middle of Pittsburgh. Catch a bus. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> I mean, listen, I can't really say nothing because me and D have mega busted, greyhounded, uh, that little Peter Pan bus. <laughs> I, I get it. You got to get but it, bro. Like, Sometimes you do got to get you. It's called the road. So yeah. if you're trying to be on it, you got to take oh. what modes of transportation are available to you. Oh, and at certain oh, points, you got to get on that pissy smelling mega bus and yeah. deal with the ratchets. Yeah, uh, having ridiculous <laughs> arguments at 3 a.m. For some reason, they couldn't wait to do that at 6.30 when everyone's <laughs> still awake, okay? And you got one more bus transfer before you got to get to where you're going. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so me and we know that life, so we're not going to be sympathetic to you for that. I'm sorry. Like we, <laughs> D, I don't mean to speak for you, but I feel like we're on it's the same okay. page. No, that's true. Sure. That's absolutely true. You know, you get there. How you get there? You get, you got to. Now that's, that's, you I think, like with, with a different part because our trainers were like mentally conditioning us almost to accept some things that should be questioned in certain ways. But in terms of if you want to get to a show and you don't have a car, you need to figure out a way to get to the show. And there are multiple modes of transportation. Like if you're on an island, you got to take a boat, like figure it out, boats and hose. Like I don't know, but like, work it out so in that aspect i definitely have to like say my if i if there's a show and i can and there's something with wheels i'm going well like not now because miss corona is ruining my life but like <laughs> we had corona oh my god the worst the worst and at the worst <laughs> time like are you guys seeing this hair right now like this should be in everyone's ring okay yeah. i'm gonna say it i'm gonna toot my own horn i'm gonna shit <laughs> Okay, I should be in everyone's ring right now. Okay, <laughs> but I got one and a half lungs and asthma. I can't run out here and get on a respirator. I will not. Wake up. All right, I don't even know if they're gonna let me in because I ain't got insurance. Let's keep it a hot. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but it was funny that you said angry black woman because after I did research about um, our historical figure, Sweet George Brown. I was angry. <laughs> and then I read interviews with her children and apparently she was not. Um, and she, you, we talk about how the road has been there. Wrestling's been around for so long, but we don't talk about the challenges that happened before now. Um, and especially in the context of being black in the world back then, because I was trash. Like, yeah. straight up. Nope. You know what I'm saying? Jeez. So, Sweet George Brown, Susie McCoy, Susie May McCoy, Susie May. All right. May is a, a Southern middle name for sure. Cause I got a couple. Of it is. Right. With May as a middle name. Yes. Okay. She was literally the inaugural Texas state Negro women's champion. Yeah. They had to put that in there. Okay. But at the same time that she won the championship, she won that in 1964. Okay. At that same time, she was ranked number four in the world by the prominent World Wrestling Magazine at that time. But she was not allowed 
to wrestle any of the other talent. Wow. So we all know that, you know, um, Sweet George Brown came from Lillian Ellison, a.k.a. the Fabulous Moolah, her all-girl school. Okay, so Moolah had her own little school back in, like, 1957. That's when uh, Susie Mae showed up at the school, and it was, like, a really small deal where they were literally wrestling on mattresses in the kitchen. Okay, so Moolah's training all of these girls, and she was the first Black student, but she was really good, and she took to wrestling really well, but what Moolah forced her to do was leave her family. And at the time, she had 11 younger siblings. And she was the one who left because she wanted to, like all of us, make wrestling her dream and actually go on the road. So gets picked up by Moolah and Buddy Lee. They start taking a small group of girls, touring around territory times and what have you. And they described her. I love this. Uh, This was Buddy Lee, by the way, who described her in this way. 145 pounds of ebony beauty who left the cotton fields of South Carolina. That was the blurb that they used to advertise her for these matches back then. And he was very proud of her, called her a credit to her race. And how many times (laughs) have we heard that bullshit? Um, She couldn't even ride in the car, though. Like, we're talking about on the road, being in the car, like, not getting out of the car because of a sudden downtown. No, they put her in the trunk. And this was according to uh, Rita Cortez, Buddy Lee's ex-wife, who was their only Hispanic talent at the time. That they had to smuggle her to shows in the trunk, and they had to do the same thing going into hotels and motels because Black people could not be out. But here she is trying to do the same thing that we're doing back in the 60s the 50s and the 60s um yeah. i was so enraged because as i kept researching moolah was pimping these girls i don't care okay they were right. she was told when she left for tours that she would be able to send money back home like continuously that dried up she started getting paid in drugs and then started getting prostituted and no money was going back home. And her children were treated very poorly because mysteriously they were biracial. Mm. Her son, Michael, is, I don't know if he's actually found out or not, but he was investigating whether or not, like, Buddy Lee was his dad. Because he like tried to hit him up and be like, hey, I want to know who my dad is. Like you traveled and you work with my mom, like Buddy Lee Promotions. You know, you guys were running all the women and stuff. Like, do you know who she would have come in contact with? Me and my other siblings, you know, we look different than our family. Do you know why? And Buddy Lee and Rita were both super fucking cagey about it. And stopped recording (laughs) his phone calls, wouldn't talk to him. Like, they didn't interact over social media, but I'm pretty sure they would have blocked his ass uh, at that time. So, uh, unresolved. Apparently, like, when one of her daughters, Barbara, was six years old, she came back from a tour and she looked, like, elegant and beautiful and amazing and she only could spend, like, an hour with them because Moolah pretty much told her it was time to go. They were just passing through. We're going to a show. 
we need to get on. And she was like, I want to stay with my kids because, you know, <laughs> they're my kids. <laughs> I don't get to see them. Uh, and Moolah slapped her, slammed her to the ground and threw her in the car. And this is her six-year-old daughter recounting the memory of seeing this happen to her mother. She died in 1972. Wait, hold on. Let me check my math, guys. Hold on. Yeah. No, she retired in 1972. Excuse me. And she just went home. She didn't have any money. She didn't have any savings. She was one of the best wrestlers as I've been able to find. Like, she was a really good amateur wrestler. And, you know, back then it was more the grappling style and not so much the pro style that we do now, like the sports entertainment style. So she was actually a legit, really excellent wrestler. And went through all of this and had nothing to show for it. She died in 89 of breast cancer. Her brothers and her family burned her wrestling gear, all her wrestling stuff, and they burnt the belt because she still had the belt. Because they said it was associated with whore stuff. And they were very reticent to speak about moolah and buddy lee because whatever they said to that family and happened at that time traumatized that entire group of people and it was just really enraging to read and to research about this woman who started something that i'm a part of and what is she she went through worse by and large but we haven't changed and involved as much you know, and it's really disappointing to see in some aspects that we haven't grown from the carny mentality of just using a talent up and using them for a purpose and then discarding them. And especially as Black people in the business, our facets deserve to be shown and we don't deserve to be treated as commodities, but rather the individuals and the beings that you put your belts on. So... Ziki, going into the last part of the road. So we talked about the physical part. We talked about the mental part. And I'm starting with you because as a dude, y'all don't like to talk about your emotions all the time. But you were very forthcoming with yours. So I'm going to start with you. So tell me about the emotional aspect of wrestling. Because I don't know about you guys, but I was told, like, if you're in a relationship, it's going to end because no one's going to understand. The road is hard and you're going to be alone and everyone's going to stab you in the back and it's going to be a roller coaster and blah, blah, blah. But like I was told a lot of things and some of those things definitely turned out to be fucking true. But then some of those things I was like, well, that's definitely very subjective and that was not my experience. So in the emotional aspect of the road and this journey that you're on in pro wrestling, what would you say? has been a challenge and what has been a triumph. So two things, challenge and triumph. Challenge, I would say definitely finding that group of people who still want to support you. Obviously, when you when you make it, everyone wants to be like, oh my God, I was there for you. Day one, you know, I lo- always loved you. I supported you like bullshit, dude. Right. You want me to shoot it in a gym? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, <laughs> that's always you know. I mean, I'm not like I mean, like even some parts of my family, like my stepmom, hate the fact that I was going to be a professional wrestler. She did not support that at all, but my dad did. And now, it was like two years later. She's like, "All right, now I support it." You know what I mean? Like, it was like even from, even from your own parents, you know, it's hard. Um, oh yeah, unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately I Brown's family called her a whore. 
my own dad called me a whore when he found out I was a wrestler. Like, the support, you would think that would be the place you get your support from, right? From your right. root, from the family right. tree. You know, you grow up strong. You would think, <laughs> like, what the heck? But, right, but like, for instance, I do have um, a partner who is very supportive of me, who loves if maybe she doesn't really get all of the concepts of wrestling. She never really grew up watching it. But she thinks the fact that I'm a wrestler is cool. She uh, she goes sometimes she goes to shows with me. She she supports me. She critiques the hell out of me because she's a boxer. So she's always critique it like, oh, you got to punch this way. You got to look more like like actually look like a fighter. She 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 likes that I do that. And you know she always just supports in the best way she can. You know uh, sometimes she'll, when I'm like hurt or something, she'll like oh I'll, I'll do everything you got to do to say don't don't worry about it. you know but you got to wash your clothes. She'll wash my clothes for me one day. I usually wash clothes. What she just makes things easier for me. Um, that's the true chance to find someone like really who supports this because anyone can fucking leave you over this. As soon as they're like, "Well, I don't like that you're wrestling three weekends out of this month," and they'll just leave you. You know what I mean? Um, some days you'd be having like some months you'd be having show after show after show. You forget maybe anniversary or a date night. And, you know that's that's how fights start. It's, uh, it's it's very hard to find that person who's willing to like meet you halfway on things, you know. Um, Tryout, I would say that I've made it this far. After all the bullshit I go through, I was like, I made it this far. I by the time I even graduate high school, I was a professional wrestler. Now I'm about to graduate college as a professional wrestler. <laughs> so I'll be like, oh yeah, all <laughs> lazy because I I graduate freaking twice. Got a degree and diploma, got a job, and still did wrestling. I don't want to hear from nobody saying I'm lazy. I hate that shit. I will. I'm not going to cuss anyone out, but I'm going to. We going to. Come on. I ain't lazy. <laughs> I, I, I won't. I'm not going to have a whole moment out there, but I'm like, don't you call me fucking lazy. I hate that shit so much because I go through a lot of shit. Maybe you don't have to go through every fucking day. Right. Yeah, I'm not a person of color. Especially as a black person or a young black person. Try and get education in America, find a job in America, and still chase their dream. Yeah, that's unheard of. You know, people call me stupid to this day to keep doing going to college and wrestling. You, see, you don't have to pick oh, one. Absolutely, like, no, absolutely. Like you can't do both. Like, like you can't follow your dreams and you know have a degree. I mean, who would have thought? I'm like, bullfuck you. Be educated. I'm not. I'm not the first educated person in my family. I'm not the last. I'm not breaking that tradition. Right. My grandparents. Are College education. I am not breaking that tradition. We're gonna be educating this bitch tonight. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm getting my degree, <laughs> and I'm also gonna follow my dreams. You know, like it's you. Sh- you should be able to do that. And I think if I make it, I want to be at least seems like well, if Zeke can do it, I can do it. I can do it. And as well. then go be. You know, you, like if some kid wants to be a singer, but. You know, maybe he's good at numbers, he's good at accounts. Like, do you get that account degree and start practicing your Pacello because you can do both. Right. You know, if I can do it and more believe to me, you can do it. It just takes time. You'll be broke, you'll be tired, you'll be hungry, but you can do it. <laughs> and it'll pay off. You just got to keep it. It will yes. pay off. 
but be smart about it yeah. as, is what I think it, you're saying. And I think that's something that, you know, my vets didn't tell me that, but I came into wrestling with a degree. Like my mom was like, nah, we're not doing that. Like <laughs> she was not right. cool. My mom was not a wrestling fan at all. You know, she begrudgingly before she passed, she came to understand and like respect mm -hmm. it. I think at least from my perspective, but she was not, no. So she was like, yeah, that's cute you're going to go to school and then you can follow these dreams. So, <laughs> right. Like, I totally, that's martial yeah. arts. That's martial arts. He had black belts to train me how to fight. I knew how to fight before I come into this business. So if I, I told my dad at 17, I want to do this. He's like, I mean, okay. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean if that's what you want. Doing, <laughs> I mean, that's what you want. I'm not going to stop you. But, you know, he's always been there because, um, you know, he he wanted to chase his dream, but he couldn't, you know. Life happened. I will say that. Life happened for him, but because of his sacrifice and his willing to work, I made a chase my dreams. And he's super proud of that. I think the proudest moment I had was literally, um, two, actually a couple. One was when I can search up my work name and on Google, you actually see pictures and videos of me. That always made me fucking, like, happy as hell. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, I made on Google. I'm fucking, I'm the shit. Um, the second, <laughs> not fucking vanity searching. The second one was <laughs> Um, two, uh, the second one was like when, uh, Righteous Reg from PWI was like, he made his list of like 250 black male wrestlers and I'm like 157. I was like, holy shit. I'm having this business for a long time on this list. You know, it may not be the list, but it was. I didn't yes. make the list, you know Rich. I mean? like, I'm like, I'm so I'm going to say it now. Sorry, Zeke, I'm going to let you finish. I didn't mean to Kanye, you there, but I didn't make the list. <laughs> Reg, did you not have my address? Cut them out. Okay, I didn't get my ass kicked for four years in Japan for you to leave me off the list, okay? Anyway, sorry, Zeke, I got hot. I got, you know, I've had a lot of grease. I've been drinking a lot of pinot grease today. I didn't even know I made that list to a bunch of my non-perfect people of color friends. Like, you know you made this list? I'm like, what says when? People know what the fuck I am? <laughs> I'm like, since when? <laughs> And then, you know, two years later, long year span, he came with a bigger list of 500. And I'm, I'm at 221. I'm like, oh my God, I'm still on this freaking list. I like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say like I'm better than nobody or I know more than people, but just that simple, just number and then my name. Um, like, you know, just recognition, you yes. know, and I, 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 that pushed me to do more. I, I love that. And that's, push me and get out of my comfort zone more because people are starting to notice, you know, people think like sometimes like, oh, Z's under Reddit, under Reddit already in Pittsburgh. They're like, oh, look at that. People actually know my name now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And I love PA. I, Wonderful. Listen, I, love, I love Despite some of the turds that reside there, <laughs> I, I absolutely... Right, right. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Some of the turds that reside there and look like upside down bowling pins. I said mm. what I said. Okay. PA has given me some of the that best was. wrestling experiences, though, like legit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The people that y'all have up there right. are so talented. The training, big shout out to Quinn Magnum and Fight Underground. Um, get your booking together, Quinnalicious. Okay. Uh, but like, my experiences up there have been tremendous and it's so weird because i you always have to leave home 
like D, you know, D, talk about it. The emotional mm-hmm. toll, the fact that you can't get recognition within your own area until you go out, get hot, and come back. And it's like, oh, you guys want to book me now? Yeah. I've been here. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Exactly. Pop, pop, exactly. Pop, pop, girl. Talk about it. But D, what is like for you? And we have had these private, really intimate conversations, but what is it for you, just the emotional toll and that uh, emotional aspect of it um, in terms of what you were told, what actually happened, what you have seen, you know, in your 10 years, that's a decade of change that you have witnessed and fought through, you know, overcoming adversity after adversity and getting, you know, win after win. Like, what has the emotional part of that been for you um honestly to be honest i'm still thinking about sweet georgia brown and that just pisses me off so 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 much like oh, i didn't girl. even know she didn't do all that like jesus girl wow and like she's got a bunch of kids and they're all biracial looking and they're all like who's our dad and they don't know but but before buddy lee passed like he just stopped taking this kid's calls he wouldn't communicate with him, which to me is the Mari pull the envelope paternity test. You are the father. You know what I'm saying? Because who she was on the road with Moolah and Buddy Lee. They had to keep her enclosed. They she literally couldn't go out places because she would have gotten killed or hurt. So you trying to tell me that that man? Come on, man. Come yeah. on. We're not gonna play these games. We're not gonna elevate people who did bad things to people of color and profited off of it because exactly. she retired. In 72, and Moolah went to Vince and popped off. So what's really good? And she got erased and Moolah got elevated? No, that's fucking bullshit. And I'm saying it and I don't care because if you're going to do something for wrestling, that means you care about the business, which means you treat the people in the business with respect, with dignity, and you don't try to pimp somebody, literally. People know this. People just don't want to say it out loud. Moolah and Buddy Lee pimp these girls. They drugged them, they pimped them, they didn't pay them, and now most of them are destitute, and they reap the profits. And that is how the business was started, in that carny, you work for me, but you don't get any of the any of the goods, goods kind of, you know, good the benefits kind of way. That's done, and that's over. And the fact that we still have to have these conversations in 2021 about equity, not just equality, because people think equality and equity are the same thing. They're not. And I'm not going to break it down. Y'all got to Google that shit. Okay. Everybody got a phone. Okay. (laughs) But it's not the same. And it's still not the same. You know what I'm saying? Everybody got Google. Bixby was trying to listen to me on my phone today. And I was like, I thought I disabled your ass. Like, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) You have no excuse to not look into the history and you're right, Zeke. I think you said it, it or D, did you say it or did Zeke say it that it had been erased? Like African American history in wrestling. It's been erased. It's been erased. It's been erased. Like we should not be having to go now and dig into these things when we know everything about Ric Flair. We know exactly. everything about uh Arn Anderson. We know everything about Steamboat. Like, but yeah. but we don't know you know, about sweet Georgia Brown. But we don't know, right. you know, about Vero yeah. Small. Like, we, mm-hmm. Butch Reed just passed. Yeah. I just learned more stuff about him. 
I knew of him, but I just learned more stuff about him because he passed. Why is it that that is the type of education? And why is it that our trainers do not impart this education upon us, but everybody loves to see, you know, Starcade. Everybody loves to see Great American Bash and talk about these guys, but there's a whole other underlying history, and some of it is very sordid that we don't know, and yet we bear the brunt of these emotional and mental Yes. Holders, almost. You know? Right. Yeah. So deep like it's sad. Me, yeah, it is sad. And I and I and I was very like I'm always trying to find the light, guys. You know, like you gotta keep fighting for it. Even when it's hard, even when it's dark, and I'm, you know, not getting super personal, but losing my mom, that's been a whole thing that I did not know. Like <laughs> but like you gotta find the light, right? But in wrestling, it just seems like we as black people have always been like right in the shitter. Right. Right in the shitter. But for what? Because we are amazing and just as talented and tremendous athletes and can cut amazing promos and visually are stunning just like our counterparts. There is absolutely no reason Booker should have been five-time champion and never was once I'm, I'm not going to get into it. because that's Yeah, that's true. Oh, I appreciate it. I'm sorry, D. D, please go back into what you were saying about the emotional. Um. Yeah, honestly, yeah, um, starting out, like when I, when I told my family that I wanted to do this, I've always felt that I was meant to be in this ring. Ever since I saw my first wrestling show at three years old, peeking in from behind my brother's uh uh door watching it um like i was immediately hooked and um seeing women like jazz jacqueline like that made me love it even more because it made me show like well maybe seeing them i could do this too like these women up here wrestling the guys and going total to total guys but you telling me they're not fit enough to be women's champion like they're not fit enough to be pushed. Like these women are incredible. Um, and honestly, uh, I told my family that I wanted to be um, a wrestler at the age of fifteen. Like I was, it was dead set in stone, and I got zero support. And I actually, um, because I chose to leave, I lost time with with my dad. Um, he and I didn't speak. He lost all contact with me. He didn't even want to talk to me at all. He made my siblings stop talking to me. And I have like freaking 16 siblings. He made them lose contact with me. Like it was just something that we just did not agree on. So honestly, from the jump, I always felt that I was alone in this business. Um, and that's not like, you know, trying to be sad or anything like that's just something that, okay, you know, this is how it is. So you're not going to get support from family. What are you going to do? Are you going to sit here and cry and, you know, feel sorry for yourself? Or are you going to go and, you know, show him and show yourself that you were meant to do this? And for the first, I feel the first half of my career, I kept trying to prove to him more than I was trying to prove to myself that, you know, this was where I belong, even though this business didn't want me to be here. Um, and over time, like after he passed, I feel that he came to understand it. Like he he told me, like this is who you are. I still feel you could do better, but clearly you you this is what you want. And you know if you're gonna do it, kick his ass. Um, 
As far as support from this business, um, like I said, I don't even really claim myself as a Georgia wrestler, and I'm from Georgia. So, uh, you know, waiting waiting for people to help out, waiting for people to want to, you know, push you or want to promote you, I feel like that's a setup for failure. The emotional thing for me, um, I just had to tell myself that this is a business. And also, the most important one, this is a business that was not designed for me, for someone like me. It just wasn't. So, of course, everybody's going to, you know, mostly everybody's going to try and persuade me not to do what it is I want to do. And I just have to tell myself that, you know, I'm the best at what I do. Even like being on, um, like someone messaged me about the whole PWI list. They're like, yo, you, you, you're the first half blind female wrestler ever. Why are you not on the, the top 500? Why? And I like, I tell them like, I mean, that would be cool if I was on it, but that's, that's not something I'm really worried about. I'm here to make history. I'm here to leave my mark in this business. I'm here like people ask me what was my biggest biggest accomplishment throughout my whole career. You know what I tell them? Accepting the fact that this is who I am, accepting the fact that I am the first and ever half blind female wrestler. Like don't get me wrong, I'm grateful for all the titles that I've held. I'm grateful for all the companies that 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 you know pushed me enough that wanted me to be their champion i'm grateful for it and i wear that with pride but my biggest accomplishment is knowing that there is no one out there like me there's no one that can do what i do i can set the standard for, for people like me i can set the standard for the girl that has you know bad vision and say mama i, I want to get in the ring and do that hey that girl right there she she's she's half blind she can do this i can do this and like even like like and then this is no no knock on the list Z. this is no knock on the list at all or anything but like this that list any list that people come out with it's a list to how they feel so how they feel is different to how i feel so it's like being on the list or being in the top 500 it was never an issue it was never like something I'm like oh man i really want to be on this list and say that like I know where I am in this business now, and I know what I have to do. And yes, yeah, it's been rough. Yes, it's you know I've lost friends along the way. I you know I've stopped talking to family because of this. I lost, like I said, I lost time with my dad because of this. But the thing is, I always tell myself, here's what's gonna happen: you can either sit down, feel sorry for yourself, and let someone else make history, or you can take the good with the bad, with the ugly, and be fucking great. I believe that you absolutely have epitomized all of that. Um, and <laughs> especially being the first and only African-American, one-eyed, gorgeous, fucking badass uh, that I I know of, like you literally are creating a legacy based on what you're doing. It just sucks that it has to come from a place of first, like you were saying. There shouldn't be a first. We're all wrestlers. We're all doing the same thing. We shouldn't have to mark Bianca's accomplishment as such a big thing because it is a great and big and wonderful thing. But it shouldn't be so out in the ether. Like, oh my gosh, magic just happened. Oh amazing bianca belair just won cool who's you know who's she gonna face next like it should be something that is regularly 
enfolded into the conversation, it should be normalized because we exactly. already exist as a part of society. Exactly. So there shouldn't be any sort of stigma like, well, when I feel confident in myself, someone's going to call me uppity or they're going to think I'm not being humble. Okay. Drake said it best. What was it? Uh, it do humble doesn't work as well as being aware. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Right. Doesn't, dude. Because, like, you have to know what you are capable of, what your gifts are, what your blessings are, in order to capitalize and share those with others. So why is it that when Black wrestlers do that, they're characterized in these negative ways, and when white wrestlers do that, they get semi-main main event spots? Or they get to run around and be sex pests and then talk about how they found Jesus and everybody's cool. Listen, I don't know white Jesus, but black Jesus did not approve. So <laughs> I don't know what Jesus like, he found. <laughs> okay. But black Jesus, I talked to him this morning and he said, I don't know nothing about that boy. So I'm just saying, like you said, Zeke, the, the double standard is, it's ridiculous. And, and where we are in the world, I feel like it's kind of stupid at this point. Exactly. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, what, is, what are we doing this for at this point? Why are we continuing to carry this old narrative? Because yes, wrestling was started by old white dudes. Great. But that's not what's there now. Wrestling seems to be the only industry that hasn't progressed forward in the same way that other industries do. And I don't think that the responsibility is on us. I don't. I don't think it's up to Black people who are considered the problem to also solve the problem. What? Like, no. But they're going to put on this anyway. Listen, that is what... They're going to put on this anyway. No, no, no. So that is what this part is. A way forward. I always like to end the session with what we right. think we can do and advice we can give to everyone watching, white allies, mm -hmm. people of color, whoever you want to speak to. But what do you guys think that we can do in this journey of the road, in the actual hard physical part? Because we didn't even touch on the bumps. Mm -hmm. We didn't even touch on you just rode six hours in a car, got stiff, got to the show, had to do the show possibly possibly had a good show but possibly got dropped on your head by a backyarder and then got back in the oh, car God. and had to make that same drive but you had to make it hungry because they didn't have a waffle house so <laughs> or a wawa so you know it's like we didn't even touch that shit so like, what can we do moving forward in the time that we are now, I'm not banking on the government. I'm not banking on Sleepy Joe. I'm banking on us. I put my faith in people. I put my faith in the people who genuinely love this business and wrestling, not in the people who are out here to destroy, okay? So what can we do moving forward to rectify this? D, I'm gonna, or Wode, I'm gonna start with you. I'm gonna go experience, and then I'm gonna get to you, Ziki. Um, my best thing, the best advice I, I can say is um, don't try to be like everybody else. You know, be different. You, if you're, you're a thick girl, wear that with pride. You know, um, also, like, don't, don't, don't try to conform. Don't try to be what they want you to be. Don't try to be what they say you should be. Be you because there is literally only one you. And you're different than everybody else because you're you. And accept 
your abnormalities, accept your, 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 uh, you know, accept everything about yourself because that that is something that will make you stand out. Um, and it took it took me forever to honestly accept that, but now I know. I know the world was who I was always meant to be. I know that now, one thousand percent. Even when I was Aisha Sunshine, even when I was Dementia the Rose, even when I was Double D Rose, like I kicked, I kicked ass with all those gimmicks. But something yeah. always felt off, and I just I couldn't put my hand on it. And I always had, because I told you this, I was like, I always felt that there was like something in me. I called her, something what, my deeper. she Yes, her you, were like, she you were like, there's something deeper. I don't know. I don't know. You fucking, you were right. Yes. And now I know it was the woe. She was just waiting to be let out. And it took everything, like every obstacle I've had to endure from me. My, of course, my biggest obstacle is getting my freaking eye removed, like getting my vision corrected, like this is it. it. It took what ten years, but I am here now. And if and like the harder, the harder I tried to ignore the try, the harder I tried to stay away, stray away from it. The harder it was for me to accept myself. So now, like I'm here. The world is here, and it just feels so right, and it feels so perfect. I'm like, why couldn't I have realized this ten years ago? But now. <laughs> Uh, you know what I mean? Like, oh, my you were God. on oh, the road. Yes, road yes. You were on the road, and everything uh, happens in its time <laughs> when it's supposed to. But like, Ronnie, honestly, like, have you realized? Like last year, like it literally took a worldwide pandemic for this country to acknowledge the inequality on on, on people of color. Like it literally, yes. the world had to stand still. We had to be shut in our houses for people to see him. You know, maybe something's wrong. Maybe, maybe black people are getting treated differently, you know? And it sucks that it took all of that because 2020 was like the worst freaking year. But I also feel it was probably one of the greatest accomplishments that we've had because we can't, we can't not look away. You can't look away anymore. Mm -mm. It's there. It's out in the open. Right. And we have no way but to go forward. Yes. And I think now it's just letting, it's allowing people to be who they were always meant to be and not trying to be who someone else is meant to be. Well, not trying to be what someone else w- wanted them to be. And yes. like, I tell people, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for every struggle that I have endured. I'm grateful, like even you know, you know, losing my vision. I'm grateful because it's my story, and no one else has a story like me because it's mine. It's yours. Yeah, and you know, I'm gonna go down in history not just being the first black female, half black female wrestler, but first female period. And like, no one can take that away from me. They may try and say, "Oh, hey, you know, I want to open the door for more people like me. I want that." But I plan on setting the stand. I plan on setting the standard high as hell. Like I plan on leaving a giant ass print in this business, unlike anybody <laughs> has ever did. Yay! <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, hell yes. Bitch, I did not tell you to come on here and cut promos, okay? Don't like, get with my <laughs> shit and be more over. I swear to God. I swear to God! Oh, I love you. <laughs> as, the new, as the new generation, 
what are we doing? What do you see moving forward? Because you knew guys, you know, you were a big catalyst and you're a big part of why things have changed. You're a big reason why the perception of wrestling is starting to change. I think honestly, your generation is the reason why speaking out happened because DNI's group <laughs> we just like shit. So, <laughs> so you know, I believe that you guys are really the you know the harbingers of change, so to speak. So, what do you think in terms of a way forward on the road, in terms of physically or mentally or emotionally? How do we get from keeping the status quo to doing our part to break that a bit? Oh, is that me? Um, no, to, to Zeke. Oh, sorry. Girl, you went off. Listen, we need to do, me and you just need to do a tea session, okay? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, but yes, to Zeke, what do you think as a part of that new group? You know, you're the new, you're the new mutants or whatever. The new Avengers. Oh, yes, the new mutants. Uh, well, the first thing I have to piggyback off what Ms. D said, we have to find ourselves, you know? We have to figure out who we are as an individual, as a, even as a generation, what we're going to put up with, what we're not going to put up with. Also, we also got to be a generation, but like, we're not going to take that bullshit no more. We're not going to be, you know, stiffed on money or opportunities. We're going to yeah. take it. Hell yeah. You know? No we're skipping have on to. the pay. They're not going to no give No skipping it. on the pay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs> because bowling <laughs> pin was good for that. Don't pay me like you <laughs> <laughs> right, we we gonna have we gonna have to do that, and we gonna have to step. It's, it's gonna be hard. Some of us are not, co- you know, confrontational. Some of us are a little shy, like myself. I ain't trying to have no moments or get arrested at the show. Ronnie might, but I'm not. We two people. That's okay. We're not right. Ronnie, Ronnie don't care. That's fine. I've got four knives on me and the tule. If you want to come, you can. <laughs> See you after the show. <laughs> <laughs> But we, uh, we, we have to be uh, we have to be that generation, black people and non-black people, to not pull the bullshit. That's why speaking out happened because we were like, you know what, fuck this, fuck them. You know they ruin my real life. We might as well just fucking drag them down. Like you know, be truthful. We're not gonna like slander them, but we're gonna hit them with the freaking truth. You know, I shouldn't be discredited because I'm black or a black woman or a queer man or a queer woman or a queer person because you know non-binary people have been clothed too um if we just we cannot pull with this bullshit no more because we we just simply can't because it's been going on way too freaking long we don't want to have another story like miss georgia we cannot have that happen you know we don't want to have another summer us freaking out we don't want that again as much as it opened our eyes to it's it scared the shit out of everybody because it seemed like every other person that you may know is has a, a goddamn story. creep. Right. Either has, has a, story a story or is a pest or some kind of creep and no one was safe and it wasn't like it happened in a safe space either, which was my thing. Like People oh. unloaded a lot of trauma and that was really traumatizing for everyone. But what are we going to do to right. fix it? You know? And, and definitely speaking out was... It, it definitely highlighted that it's not just the indies. No, I mean, it went to the Fed. It went to parts of AEW, TNA, right. Impact, mm-hmm. you know, Canada, U.S., England. It just hit everywhere. If you were a star that, be honest, if you fucked around, you're going to get called out for it. And 
we have to be at generation to keep doing that with like maybe not just sexual assault, sexual harassment, but like stiff people on pay and treatment and you know how people are, you know, presented. We we have to we gotta cut that bullshit out. We have to be treated as, you know, people. And I I do believe my generation will definitely bring much change to that. But as I guess people of color, queer people of color now we have to lead this, just like we did in the LGBT charge. Like, you know, the queer black woman was definitely the lead of the pride, you know, pride riots. We're going to have to do that shit again. We're going to, you know, I mean, like, we have to show that, like, gay wrestlers are not just this attraction to be, oh, I'm a, I'm a man who's gay, so I'm going to act like a woman or pretty a much. A gimmick match. I'm, a novelty. Yes, right. a gimmick match. Yes. Like, maybe, yes. I'm like, yes, maybe I'm gay, but I will beat your ass too. You know, that's why I, I love the fact that, you know, I love the fact that we kind of like this, this, like disabling the whole if of a man's gay or queer and he can't fight. Like, no, nah, I know about six, 16 plus queer men who can probably beat my ass, even though I'm combat trained. You know, it's just, we're, we're just slowly taking down those stereotypes. And I, I'm living for it and yeah. I love it. You know, the best thing I guess I did was like come out like to everybody on bisexual, and I was like, "Well, I didn't know Zeke Mercer was a queer coded character." I was like, "I mean, I guess it's not a character. I'm bi, right. but I'll still kick in. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, like I didn't suddenly forget how to fight. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just we are showing that black people or people of color anywhere are not just a monolith. And that's why I love this so much. You know, no one is just a monolith. Like, I literally had to fight myself because I love rock music. I love Seven Dust. I love the band Seven Dust. And I'm like, you know what? The first show back, I'm coming out to Seven Dust. Well, black kids, I'm coming out to Seven Dust. You gotta come out to I that. don't know what no, you're no, talking no. about. Are they in any way related to Alter Bridge? Because I fuck with them hard. I love Ultra Bridge. I, I what say, today, you know, motherfucker? Rise <laughs> today. That's my. Sh- I'm sorry. I get very. Right. If you want to start your morning right, okay. <laughs> right, but you know, I just you just slowly each one of us have to just break down barriers in our own way. Whichever corner of the United States or the world that we, or unfortunately, on at any given time, we just have to be ourselves. And of course, I want to say the last thing would be is to find that like group of wrestlers have to be your family because I think we all need that especially as much as we can say like oh, I want, like I want my dad and my mom and my cousins and my brother and sister to be my support they're not in the business unless your brother or sister is in the business that's a different right. you know story itself but we have to find a wrestling family we have to find our wrestling sisters and our wrestling cousins and our wrestling uncles you know we just have to because they may look like us or may not look like us, but as long as they support us, they will also help us with our agenda to like Absolutely. push things forward and be different. Yes. So to sum it up, I guess, be yourself. Fuck and if I get to not be yourself. Um, keep keep being a badass. Keep being a badass. <laughs> what the hell you do? Whatever you want to pursue, whatever moves you want to do, do it, honey. Do it, boo boo. Because fuck it, who's gonna take that right from you? Three, find out family find the people that you're gonna invite to your own cookout and just kill it I, that's the three things i'll say well uh that'll probably help you that because it's helping yeah. me and i'm only like almost three years in the business and i would say my third year is a lot more enjoy- enjoyable than my first year so yeah yes finding your tribe definitely 
helps a lot. I'm very grateful to have uh, the Wode in my tribe. Um, She's definitely somebody that even if we don't talk for months or weeks at a time, like we pick it right back up. Um, She definitely has helped me out of more than a few scrapes. She's definitely been so <laughs> for some ratchet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and my microphone goes. You know, so I appreciate that for sure. <laughs> got find my group. Yes, you do. You got to find your group. You got to find your tribe. You got to stay connected to the people who are going to push you forward in a healthy way. Who are going to understand you as a black wrestler and who are going to advocate for you. And I would say as a way forward is to just keep advocating those who are not wrestlers of color. You know, Zeke said it's going to be on us. And yes, it is going to be on us. The accountability is absolutely there, but also it's on our allies to use their privilege, to use their spot, to use their connections. If they see it's not equitable, if they see there's not racial equality on the card, you know, we've had these movements happen and then we still have cars booked with all men, all white men, all straight white men. You know, we have cars booked with no women. We have cards booked with no LGBTQ talent. So are we really changing? Are we really trying to make wrestling better for everyone? Or are we still just booking our friends and just flipping the status quo in our own personal favor? Which isn't what, if you truly care about wrestling, I believe it's about. Everyone should be uh, represented, excuse me, represented and have a spot and be able to feel comfortable in that environment being who they are. Because again, we are not all the same. We are not a monolith. We all have our own unique characteristics. You know, the Wode is a large, curvaceous, gorgeous Black woman. I am a large, curvaceous, gorgeous Black woman, but we are not the same. And we both work in our own lanes and respect that, which is why all of our matches are fire, which you guys should check out on YouTube if you... Yes. Um, we need to have another one. Road, who will be debuting for GCW Mania Weekend. Don't think I didn't see that, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's up to our allies, too, to kind of make sure that this narrative that we're trying to have and that has been going on, historically speaking, for a long time, to continue to be pushed and to change the business in the way that we want it to. Um I want to thank you guys so much for coming on and being real and raw and just talking about some of these things that are honestly very challenging to talk about sometimes because so many times we come up against a wall and we're not heard and you say what you feel and you say what you think and then you're shut down or you're called problematic or you want too much or, you know, just any litany of things that don't make sense and aren't told to our white counterparts, but we have to be on the receiving end of, I appreciate you guys coming and actually sharing that and like telling me and telling the world your experiences, because it's not, if people don't know, how are they going to change? How are we going to, how are we going to do anything different? How are we going to build the business back better after Miss Raggedy Ass Corona decides she wants to leave us the fuck alone? So, Thank you. Right. Like, I got bookings, bitch. You ruined my whole life. You do not get 2021. What? What is this? But yeah, thank you guys for so much for being here. Guys, make sure that, like I said, you're following indywrestling.us. Make sure you're following Sorgatron Media, me, Ronnie Nicole. 
and uh, Zeke Mercer on Twitter at at Zeke underscore the flat one, not the dash, the flat one with the under one. Mercer on Instagram at the underscore Zeke underscore Mercer and on Facebook at Zeke Mercer. And if you guys aren't really, aren't already following the woad, you probably should be. Get your fucking life. Um, <laughs> but she is on Facebook, the woad, Twitter at underscore first, the woad, and on Instagram, the underscore woad, and then on TikTok, the underscore woad. Girl, you're better than me because I can't tick nor talk. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I don't trying, I'm trying. I'm <laughs> trying. I can't handle all. I'm a '90s kid. Okay, I did MySpace and I passed notes in class. Like I'm fucking. <laughs> Stuff. I'm not even gonna act like I am. I just dropped my phone. Like I'm not coordinated with all this technology in the way that newer generations are. Um, I'm an elder millennial, and I'm doing my best. So, uh, <laughs> um, I appreciate everybody coming out for Sunday sessions. So. Before Sunday sessions dropped, I announced that we were going to be having a Valentine's Day giveaway. And that will actually be happening or actually has already happened because since this episode is airing on Valentine's Day, um, they should have the winner already received their Valentine's package. I hope that they are enjoying it prior to the taping. Y'all make sure you tune in now. Okay? <laughs> tune in before or after. Get on, get on it, though. Um, but... For the winner, da, 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 Mr. Cameron Forsyth, congratulations. You've won all this stuff in the Valentine's Day prize pack. I hope that you and your special partner enjoy it for Valentine's Day. And I will be sending you details or please send us a photo and we will be posting that for next week. And I've already sent him details um, about how to claim his prize pack. So congratulations to Cameron. Cameron is actually an Indiana guy um, and big shout out to Grindhouse Wrestling where I spent many a year and I love all those kids up there. So big shout out to them. Congratulations, Cameron. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, I heard that lube was tasty. Again, allergic to strawberry. I don't know. Uh, so thank you guys for joining our session. These conversations are started not only to shape like perspective but also so that you understand the other perspectives that are out there um i hope that your worldview and the landscape of wrestling is only added to by these wonderful conversations with these amazing talented athletes please make sure you follow them on social media keep fighting keep resisting keep talking i'm ronnie big bang nicole thank you guys for so much for joining me this has been sunday sessions with the woad and zeke mercer thank you guys see you next time